The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for what you need to know to build your financial independence through real estate investing. We're headed into the holidays here, which means a couple of things, one of which is that it's time for Cincinnati RIA's annual Best and Worst Deal of the Year meeting. Uh, that is happening tomorrow at the CAA building at the corner of Reading and Seymour. You can get more information about the meeting and how to get there by going to www.cincinnatirea.com. That's cincinnatireia.com. This is a, an enjoyable meeting with lots of networking, a silent auction of real estate-related education tools, products, and even a couple-of-day getaway to a lake house in Williamstown, Kentucky, for the benefit of OREA PAC and, of course, the competition for the much-coveted awards of Best Deal of the Year 2012, Worst Deal of the Year 2012, Most Creative Deal, and Best Deal by a New Investor. This meeting is, as always, open to the public. Again, more information at CincinnatiRIA.com or at... Uh, 859- All of a sudden, I've forgotten the Cincinnati Rio phone number that I repeat every single solitary week here. But I, I will look it up and I'll come back to that. How about that? The holiday time also means that uh, we are headed toward New Year's resolution time. And I know many listeners will be looking to make resolutions in regard to their real estate businesses. So today we're going to talk about not how to make the resolutions or how to keep the resolutions, but maybe some other kinds of resolutions that you might want to look at. My guest today is Tom Zeeb, who has a long, long list of achievements and uh, things that he does, but uh, he is perhaps best known as a successful local real estate investor in the Washington, D.C. area. I say well-known because he's been on CNBC and in Kiplinger's and the Washington Post and Financial Lifeline Radio, and uh, he's got a blog that he adds to practically every day. He is also the founder and president of Traction Real Estate Investors there in the D.C. area, and he is a big, 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 big believer that one of your resolutions for 2013 ought to be to work less. Joining us from his home in D.C. is Tom Zeeb. Tom, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vino. Thanks for having me. Uh, Great to have you, Tom. I'm sorry, I'm adjusting my headphones here now that I now that I'm actually hearing you talk. Um, yeah. So when we sent out the the 
weekly email about today's show. The title was, Can Real Estate Investors Have a Four-Hour Work Week? And that, of course, references a best-selling book that most of the folks that you and I have met have read, and their reaction was, wow, that would be wonderful. Too bad it's not possible for people in <laughs> real estate. So what what we want to focus on today is, is not that number, <laughs> not that number four hours a week, but rather the, the concepts behind it, which are something that you have implemented very heavily into your life because you got a lot of stuff going on. I do. And one of the clear distinctions I think people need to make at the beginning because it helps them understand what kind of how can you achieve that lifestyle. It's not that you only work four hours, but it's a lifestyle approach. And that is the difference between a lifestyle business and an enterprise business. Which style are you building? Do you want to build a, a big corporation that will eventually have a lot of employees and something that maybe you can sell off? Or are you going to keep it a lifestyle business where you really focus on your ability to have choices and choice in what you do, uh, what you spend your time on and how much time you spend with family and what types of deals that you do? That's a clear distinction. If you make that at the beginning, Vina, then it's much easier to understand when something's presented to you. Do you, do you follow that path or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, your own personal, and I guess I should say business says really, because you you own and run a, what is basically a real estate association. You mm-hmm. also coach and mentor people. You Correct. have a family that I know you yes. like to spend a lot of time on. And you're apparently in the middle of a bet with somebody about who can visit 100 countries first. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's keeping you busy. Um, and then there's the real estate thing on top of all of that. And there, there, there had to have been a, a point here at which you just made the decision to do this because most people, most people do not naturally come around to this idea of rather than do more stuff and work more to make more money, I'm going to see how I can work less to make more money. Well, you do have to turn it into a game, and, and I have to a degree. I, it's, it's fun to see. Can, it, can you do a certain style of deals? And can, can you do those deals from anywhere at any time without people knowing you're gone? And one of the ways it first um, came, came to me was uh, it, there, there were two stories, but one in particular that I had an attorney who had heard that I was out of town, that I was out of the country. And she backed away from doing some of the work that she was supposed to do while I was gone. Now, I didn't tell her I was gone. She heard it from somebody else. And then when I reached out and called her, she said, well, you know, how did, how did you call me? You're overseas. And, and, and your, your, your caller ID is on my, is on my uh, phone display. I said, hey, I can reach out and strike from anywhere. And why isn't this done? I want to get this done by the time I get back. And I think that that's one of, the, one of the things I call it is, you know, people think that just because you're out of town that you must be out of touch. And it doesn't need to be that way if you just kind of reshuffle what you're doing. Now, I do focus mostly on wholesaling and some rehabbing. Um, so those those types of investing techniques do lend themselves to be able to operate remotely because I can handle marketing and, and seller intake or seller calls, deal analysis. I can handle that from anywhere. Uh, and even settlements, if I need to, I can be done. I, I don't need to be there. I know my attorneys well enough to handle that. So you do have to choose the right type of business. And once you have that, then you can, you can structure it in a way that you don't have to be physically present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, again, that is uh, that's one of uh, sort of the big themes in the the, the book, the four hour 
work week, which, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, that, that has become one of those um, one of those books that it seems like everybody in real estate has read, you know. <laughs> it's, with, it's a cult classic. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The E-Myth, The Millionaire Next Door, The 4-Hour Work Week. And it is so common that uh, folks in our business do say upon finishing it, it's just a great idea, too bad it doesn't apply, right, to what we do. And, right. and of course, one of the reasons they think it doesn't apply is because they don't see people applying it. Right. They, they, don't, they, they don't have a path to follow uh, in that regard. So a lot of what we're going to talk about during this program is specific ways in which you have implemented that, that into your life and advice that you give to other people about how they can have uh, more, as you say, of a lifestyle business than what they are doing right now. Uh, we need to take a quick break, but I do want to invite listeners to call with your important questions on this topic. You can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658, or you can also send us an email by going to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tom Zeeb of traction ria up in washington dc and the number i was blanking on for cincinnati ria is 859-292-7342 that's 859-292-ria if you uh, want more information about the organization or about tomorrow night's meeting um the number here in the studio if you have questions about how you can implement let us say a less you involved work week Give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. And Tom, when we were talking about this program and what how, how much we could say in the limited amount of time uh, that we have, we really decided that all, all we can do is is pass on some sort of general advice in some general areas and um, <laughs> let people uh, uh, let people sort of uh, just put it in put it in their brains as they are thinking about their goals because I think a lot of times when people sit down at the beginning of the year and they set real estate goals for themselves the first thing that happens is they get overwhelmed by by the things that it is going to take to reach those goals. So I want to do 50 deals next year. Well, gosh, that means finding 50, finding the money for 50, potentially rehabbing 50, overseeing all those rehabs, selling 50. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be working 80 hours a week and they get they get just <laughs> overwhelmed. Um and and we're ta- you know, we're talking to to part-time investors because it, it's not bad enough that they're trying to start a new business but they have a full-time job too so you know this is this this is applicable to everybody you expressed that you saw several areas in which people were just sort of not thinking about were there ways for them to do less stuff and still get the same effect so let, let's let's talk about the, those areas first and then we'll sort of dig down and, and talk about specific um, strategies within those areas well, you do really have to measure your results on the results, uh, not on not on the effort you put in, but what on the actual outcome is. And I see people make that mistake a lot. They think, well, you know, heck, I spend 40 hours this week working on something. Yeah, but if you could have gotten a better result from four, 
that would be fine. Don't me- measure it by the output, not by the, uh, not by what you put in. And that 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 trips up people a lot. And that's some of the the thinking most people have. You know, you're paid by the hour, or you, um, you, know, you know, people expect you to be at an office a certain amount of time. It's always time measured rather than results measured. And that's a big kind of mind shift, uh, you know, a mindset shift that needs to occur to be able to realize that it's okay to not spend a lot of time on something per se, or it's okay to, to you know, work from somewhere else or somewhere different, or even, honestly, you know, like time of day. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a night owl, and I, am, I, I just get extremely mentally focused at about 10 p.m., and I will buzz until about 2 a.m. Get, I get four awesome hours there. And before I admitted that and focused on that and really leveraged that highly productive time, sometimes I would struggle, just on normal, normal daytime hours. And if I can just learn to get so much done in those hours during the day, I'm that much more productive. Now, I know the morning, the morning larks out there are, are thinking that's absurd, but <laughs> that, that's fine. They can work in the morning and get the same amount done. Find out what time it is for you that's best, and then really, really work hard to isolate that time for you and for your, make those your productive hours. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let me add to that, that um, I discovered about 10 years ago that, um, anything that I needed to do that involved a lot of brain power, you know, writing, writing marketing or uh, um, composing a creative deal. Okay. If I did that before noon, it was going to turn out better than if I did it afternoon. Now it's not like afternoon. I, I, I can't work or anything, but, but, but shuffling, uh, understanding when you are most able to work on, things that require a lot of thought or things that require a lot of physical activity and shoveling those things into that part of the day each day can be very helpful too. Um, I've sat down to write e-letters at two o'clock in the afternoon and, and rewritten the first sentence 18 times, you know, cause it's, <laughs> it's not my creative time of day uh, where, where if I sit down at eight o'clock in the morning and do it at all, you know, all just comes out in one 20 minute spurt. So uh, understanding that sort of thing can be very helpful as well. So, uh, all right. Um, getting over the idea that I used to work nine to five and so I should work nine to five. It's leverage <laughs> the time that you're in the zone and that's going to be a little bit different for everyone, but you probably have a natural sense about it. Just maybe no one's ever stopped you and asked you before, or no one's ever said, Hey, you know, wh- what are the, you know, what are your good hours? When are you in the zone mm-hmm. and then leverage the zone. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find particularly convenient when traveling. And you know, that's, that's one of my number one passions is, is to travel and go places and to understand that if, if, if I'm somewhere else, but I can still isolate some time during the time that I'm in the zone, that's how I can get so much done every day because I'm extremely focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where I am. And so it's a matter of if, you were able to, if you're able to disappear you know, for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks on a trip, but all you had to do was sacrifice an hour a day, would you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, most people would. And so the hour that you need to sacrifice then is, uh, is an hour in your zone. That way you're maximizing the time. Because if you, if you can get three times the amount of work done just because it's the right time of day, then that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took this idea to the max um, a few years back. We did a, we did a honeymoon, and it was an around-the-world honeymoon where you literally circumnavigate the globe. You, you and we went away for five weeks and during that time 
I put together two deals, and they closed when I got back. <laughs> and it was just a great, you know, not a bad honeymoon. And we spent a lot on that trip, but we made a lot. We made uh, $33,183, and that was across two deals. The first deal was 15 and then the balance of that was from the second deal. And it was just an absolutely awesome feeling to know you did that from just a small laptop, a smartphone, and a little bit of time each day to just keep up, you know, keep up on things. Not, it wasn't obsessive. It certainly didn't take away from any of the fun and enjoyment we we're having. But learning to leverage it right and focusing on the fact that you know it's a life, it's lifestyle first, and build a business around that, rather than having a business and then trying to you know stick some lifestyle in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, an- another thing that you're that you're big on is looking for things that you are doing over and over again, and finding a way to to automate those things and i i i, I kind of know what you're talking about here because these are, i think these fall into the category of oh it's only going to take me a minute mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but then you do it 17 times work. a week it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of minutes <laughs> exactly so um give us give us give us an example of uh the the, the specific kinds of things you're talking about there and what you mean when you say automate it sure well, this would be a great tip for people, too, because they can implement it immediately. But, if, for example, do you have things that you write all the time or standard responses that you have to, let's say, to motivated sellers? And you, then you find out they're not that motivated. Uh, how do you turn them down or how do you refer them to a realtor or how do, you, how do you handle things that you do on a routine basis? I have pre-written all of that, and rather than write it every time, I save it as auto text. Now, I know, I know there's a lot of different programs out there. I use Outlook for email. I know people use Gmail and Yahoo and, and whatnot. But uh, most of them have a way of having like a standard uh, auto text or a set, a, a set amount of text that you reuse every time. And so I even have it to keyboard shortcuts. So I just hit like two keys that would, you know, um, like oh, uh, carrot Q. And then it, boom, it expands into exactly what I needed to say. And I have it, so it's basically my own shorthand, and then it expands on the screen into that entire paragraph, that entire sentence, or that entire thought. Because if it's stuff I say all the time anyway, why do I need to retype it each and every time? That, that amount of savings every day adds up massively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's closely related to another thing that I know that, that you have implemented massively in your life, which is... Uh, technological solutions to things that uh, can be done manually, but maybe shouldn't be? There are, you know, people find themselves, again, you know, doing, doing a number of things sometimes just because they've always done it that way. But if it's anything that's remotely repetitive, you can get some aspect of your computer to do it or your smartphone. But I think the key, Vina, is to make sure that it's not it, the, the technology isn't wagging the you know the productivity dog. It's the other way around. You, do, you don't you don't want to be doing something just because you can do it on a smartphone. Uh, or the, I mean, there's all these new shiny objects out there, and there's always a new website or a new system or a new phone. I, I think it's really a matter of boiling it down to what are the basics and sticking with those, and don't worry about what's shiny and new because the technology changes. Oh, I don't know about every six minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, every week you can buy a new version of something, but that's that's not what's important. It's getting those fundamentals down so that you understand um, how to how to systematize every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting about technology. I mean, just as simple as having a laptop, having a cell phone, having a, a 
possibly a Google Voice number that is a different number than your cell phone because it's your personal cell phone, but you want a business number, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, is that uh, with a lot of part-time investors, they worry about credibility. Mm -hmm. They worry worry that a seller is going to want to work with somebody who's buying 100 deals a year and, you know, here I'm buying two, or they they worry that a uh, a tenant is going to want to work with a great big management company with you know seventeen people on staff, and here it's just me. And y- if you set those things up right, no one knows you're not a twenty-story company. No one knows the difference. I use a, a mailbox service that you know, so I have a physical street address and a suite number, uh, so that you know that looks much better than I think just a standard uh, post office box. Uh, phone numbers the same way you can get a fo- you can get a phone number and just pass it through very easily online. I know it sounds complicated, but you basically set up a number. It's almost a virtual number. And then you log into a website and you tell you tell the system what to do when that phone number rings, and you can route it any number of which way. So you could route it to your cell phone, and yet at the same time not actually have to give out your cell phone number. Uh, and you can choose a number that looks like a business number. You know, a lot of business numbers have you know multiple zeros in them, or they, they tend to be even numbers or something to that effect. And you can do that very easily. You can present the face that um, maybe you're bigger than you actually are. And it's not that you're out to deceive anyone. It's just that it's it, it's it's a it's a trust factor. And honestly, if that still bothers you, you are. Uh, bigger than you think you are, and you do represent more people than you think. That's the benefit of your local, your local real, your local real estate investors association, is that you do work with a large group of local investors in your area, mm-hmm. and you should take advantage of that and promote that because it's good credibility for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very true. Uh, time for another quick break. I do want to let listeners know once again. You can reach us with any questions at 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tom Zeeb from TractionRia.com. We're talking about a different way to think about your New Year's resolutions or perhaps a different framework in which to put them. So that you don't write down a list of things you want to do and then get so overwhelmed by what that will require that you stop in your tracks. And it's not February when your resolutions are broken, it's January 3rd. So, um, Tom, I just got an email, and oh, I should I should give out our email address again. It's askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. You can also call us with your questions at 877-772-9658. Uh, this question is from Ron in Atlanta, and I, I think this is, is this is fairly typical of the kind of... Um, process we're talking about having to go through. Uh, Ron says, I am one of the people that you mentioned with a J-O-B. The major problem that I am running into right now is I cannot take calls from sellers at my job. So what happens is I get calls from seller dur- sellers during the day. I return them on my way home from work. Then I have to run comps on the properties and call the sellers back. All of this work means it is often two to three days before I can get back to a seller. Any suggestions about how to make this more automated or spend less time on it? Yeah, it's an excellent question, and I know a lot of people come across that frustration. They come up against that, and they, they're looking for ways to handle it. One way could be if you're not allowed to take calls during the day or if there's also no convenient time to return a call during the day, 
Uh, you can consider having a call center or a virtual assistant, virtual assistant is like a virtual secretary, um, answer those calls for you and go through an initial script that you write for them, get the salient information from the sellers. And if you had all of that, then you'd be able to look at it quickly and determine whether or not maybe you need to take a break and try to return a call or if it can wait until later. And then you'll develop that system further by realizing, well, if you can make that quick distinction, then so could your virtual assistant, and they could be weeding out the ones that you don't, you know, the, the ones that have no use to you. If someone calls, they want full price and no fancy terms. That's, that's not usually a great deal for an investor. So you would have them go through a process of just referring that over to, a, to an agent uh, or, or just telling them gently that it's not, the right, uh, it's, it's not the right deal for you. You can have all of that automated when you go through and start to think about what the system is. So I would encourage uh, Ron to uh, look into either a call center, a 24-hour call center, so he just doesn't have to worry about answering the phone. All the information would be collected and it would be emailed to him. Or he could do it with a virtual assistant as well. Uh, and the benefit also of the virtual assistant is then they could do other tasks for you. So any kind of, I don't want to say menial tasks, but any, any repetitive tasks that you're not interested in, someone else like a virtual assistant is usually very happy to do those tasks on your behalf because that's exactly the kind of work they actually enjoy doing. And then you have a system in place to handle everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Ron, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you $10 you're comping properties using the Internet. So yeah. There's probably someone else could comp it. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a set of steps you're going through over and over and over again with that. And, and yeah, somebody like a virtual assistant can't make a determination for you about what the value of the property is, but why couldn't they pull the data? and email it to you the same way they would be emailing the script. So now before you pack up to go home from work, you not only have what did the seller say, but also what are the comps on his property, and you can probably have a more meaningful discussion with them about what you might be willing to pay for the property. But um, Tom, Tom, this really is a a change in mindset. I I know I I keep going back to this and pounding on it, so do you. Having to think about questions like, what makes me know that a seller is not motivated and that I don't need to run comps? <laughs> it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter <laughs> what the property is worth. <laughs> They're not going to sell it to me for less than that. And if you can come up with key questions like that, someone else can ask them. And, you know, maybe, Ron, for you, the key questions are, when do you need to sell? What's going to happen if you don't sell by then? Um what are you willing to take for a quick cash offer? And, uh, you know, why are you selling? It, it could be it could be a set of three or four questions that it really boils down to. And the answers to those questions are going to determine whether you need to spend all this other time. Because I, I don't know about you, Tom, but it sounds to me like Ron is, is running comps on every single call, not just the ones that would deserve the that would deserve to take that extra step. Correct. And elimination, the whole concept of eliminating things you don't need, you don't need in general and you, that you don't need to be doing yourself is a key concept. And so what if Ron had a virtual assistant to take those calls, um, process the initial information, run some brief comps? I'm not saying they're going to be perfect, but what if it's enough to determine whether or not this thing even has a remote chance? And if that was emailed to him, then, I mean... When he walks out of work, he could be looking at that executive summary that's been presented to him. Uh, you know, he could be looking at that on his smartphone and decide, 
whether or not he needs to make the call immediately from the parking lot or if he could wait an hour until he gets home. But it, it's, it's having those systems together. And, Vinny, you bring up an excellent point because when you take the time, and it does take just a little bit of time at the beginning, but when you actually take that time and examine your business and try to break it down into its logical steps so you can determine which steps could be outsourced, well, <laughs> the, the process of going through that makes you infinitely better at what you're doing. And you'll realize all the things that you can delegate out. But you're not going to figure those out until you take the time to really think through your business step by step. So it's a very beneficial exercise to be doing anyway. And that's why I encourage everyone to actually sit down and do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, very different mindset. And if you don't take that sort of step you just find yourself working really, 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 really hard and maybe getting the same results that you would get if you worked a lot less hard and and eliminated some things and automated some things. A question from Steve in Dayton, and I I guess I should have predicted this one. Uh, he, He says, forgive me because I came into the show about five minutes late, but Tom was saying something about basing what you're doing on measurable results. The problem is I am a new investor, so I am never sure when I embark on a particular project such as a marketing campaign what the measurable results are going to be until after I am finished with it. Any suggestions? Well, your results can certainly improve over time. So you, you could do your first round of marketing, see what your results were, and then aim to beat it. You also know what some of the industry averages are, and uh, that's actually unfortunately not very high. You know, you're only expecting maybe a 1% response rate. So that would mean you got to figure out what that means. That's one out of every 100 will respond. And the inverse of that means 99 of your postcards got thrown in the trash or 99 of your letters got thrown in the trash without anyone taking any action. So you can aim to beat that 1% number at the very least and say, I'm going to do something unique and different, and I'm going to stand out like a, like a sore thumb from everything else, and I'm going to really, uh, really encourage people to contact me. And then if you get a 2% rate, you know you're doing really good. So you can certainly start with the baseline numbers industry-wide and then always aim to beat your own numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sort of tagging on to Steve's question there, um, new investors can get overwhelmed by and experienced investors can find themselves still doing things that are not necessarily all that high leverage. And that, that, you know, in a perfect world, should they all be done? Yes. But in reality, is it making that big a difference in your business? Maybe not. And new investors often can't sort out what those are. I mean, how 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 often have you uh, talked to one of your coaching students, and two weeks later, what they have accomplished is they have the perfect business card. <laughs> They haven't done a mail campaign. They haven't (laughs) talked to any buyers or sellers. But by golly, they have spent two weeks creating the perfect business card. Uh, Just sort of out uh, out of um, someone said they should have business cards, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they don't. They don't. uh, They 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 don't. They don't always sit down and look at all of the things that could be done, and, and and then just try and think for themselves. What is higher leverage? A business card. Or a postcard that's going to actually go out to people who might want to sell their houses as opposed to be in my wallet all the time. Sitting down and and 
doing what you mentioned a little bit earlier, which is thinking through what are the tasks that have to happen to make my business run from the point of view of, and if I could only do three of those today, if I could only do three of those this whole week, because my time is so limited, which three are most likely to get me closer to where I want to be? I I think it'd be a a really important question. Yeah, you have to learn to prioritize and you have to be careful to not fall in the trap that you're just trying to reduce the size of your to-do list. You know, say you have 12 items on there, uh, you know, hey, I can knock out six of them, but if those are the six least important tasks, that's, that's not really good. You really have to prioritize them and then start at the top and work your way down. What is that number one task that has to be done, has to be worked on? And that's, there's a little bit of self-discipline involved in, in, in getting, getting there. And if you have problems with self-discipline, I personally find, and I know some people dread the word, but I personally find there's no better way than having a deadline, a real deadline, not one that you can you know, kind of move around, but commit to somebody or commit to something, commit to having it done by a specific date, and then you will watch the items in your to-do list start to get checked off because you're working towards a deadline that you've set and that you've found a way to enforce. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and that is just as big a lesson for folks who've been around for years and doing things the same way for years, is from time to time reevaluate how much, how much of this stuff is the 20%. You know, what, 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 what amongst this is really getting me results and what amongst them I, I just kind of doing it because I've always done it that way and if this mail campaign went away or this tenant contact went away or this form of advertising for rentals went away, it actually wouldn't do anything except save me time. You know, I might miss one lead a month, but I would also be saving two hours a month that I could maybe do something more valuable with. And you have to look for those opportunities, spot them. And then if you're still nervous about it or you think it's going to make a difference, then trick yourself into doing it by just testing and say, you know what, I'm going to drop that for two weeks and then we'll see if the world falls apart. <laughs> and two weeks ago by, the world doesn't fall apart. You may realize that you were wasting your time on it from the get-go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very good point. Again, askvina at gmail.com is one way to contact us if you have questions. Another way is to call at 877-772-9658. Uh, now, Tom, I, I've, I've kind of, you, you touched on this earlier, this this idea of outsourcing and delegating. And um, I don't want to say I've been avoiding getting to it, but um, I have been, I have been, um, every time that topic comes up here on Real Life Real Estate, we get a bunch of people who say, but I don't have the money. I, I can't hire people. I, and I don't have people, I, I work alone. I, you know, I don't have people I can delegate to. My children are three years old, so it's a little tough to make them do real estate related stuff. How how do you respond to that kind of seemingly very practical objection? Well, there are, and that's why it, it starts with you. Uh, you need to figure out the tasks that you want to have done. And, and I have sat down, and Vina, admittedly, it was a little painful at the beginning, to sit down and every task to write out a protocol of how it's done. And I mean, like, clinically write it out. Click here, type this in this box, click Click the button labeled submit. I mean, so simple that a monkey can do it, right? Monkeys put the first rockets into space, and all, you know, something lit up, they press the button. Something uh, made a buzzing noise, they flip the switch. You almost need to make it that easy, because when you do, it does make um, outsourcing it to somebody a lot easier, because you don't need 
a high degree of skill. You can find someone reasonable. And if they don't work out, that happens sometimes, then you can easily move on and you haven't lost anything because your training time was minimal because all they were doing was following a very clinically laid out protocol that you, that you put together. The benefit then to doing that too is if anything ever happens to everybody you come across, you still know exactly what to do. And even if it's tasks that you're doing, I still follow protocol for tasks I know like the back of my hand because I want to go through the checklist and make sure I don't miss anything. It also means I don't have to think about that task. So I can just breeze through that task and know that it's done consistently every time because I don't have to think about it. Therefore, I'm not going to miss a step. It also keeps me more relaxed, keeps me moving a lot faster, and then I can easily give those assignments to someone else. And so yeah, you might have to screen a little bit on a virtual assistant, but you'll have a good sense of someone who, who can follow simple directions. And you'll have that sense particularly if you just add some simple instructions to the interview process. So if you advertise out there, you have them do one, two, or three things uh, that you want them to contact you in a certain way or present a resume in a certain fashion. And if they can't follow those simple steps, they're not going to be able to follow any other of the simple steps you give them. So you you would eliminate them right from the beginning. But when you have people that come through your screening process and they they do exactly what they were told, that's probably a good sign that 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 same person is going to do exactly what you tell them to do in the future. So that's a nice greeting tip for, for... working with virtual assistants. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick break and then your calls and questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Tom Zeeb from Traction Ria. We're talking about a different way to think about all the stuff that you are doing or determined to do in the new year and that is how can you do less and get the same or better results and we've talked about the concept of really looking at things and deciding what could maybe be eliminated altogether without having too much of an effect on what you're doing We've talked about automating to the extent that you possibly can. And we're talking about delegating and outsourcing. And um, again, it's so common that, that when this topic comes up, people say, well, I, I can't afford it. And I can't, I can't afford staff. I, I only do just so many deals. And of course, the, uh, often the nature of the real estate business is feast and famine. You know, this week you close a deal, next two weeks you don't. So <laughs> how, do I, how do I pay somebody in those two weeks that... I'm not closing a deal. Um, and Tom, you've mentioned virtual assistants several times. And, and for those of the, for those folks who might be listening and, and are not familiar with that term, virtual assistants for administrative type, repeated, uh, very systematizable things are incredibly cheap. Like $1.50 an hour is not, an uncommon pay rate for an overseas virtual assistant who's doing something like entering data into a da- into a database or something like that. And you're only paying for the hours that you actually use them. They're not a full-time employee. Mhm. And that, that that's a key point as well. And there's there's not the complications of withholding or ha- you know withholding on payroll or having to have office space for them or 
um, even really firing them if they're not doing a good right. job. You fire them by going into the website and ending their contract, and that's that's pretty much it. So in some of these cases, we're just talking about very small dollars. And I always recommend to people when when they've got stuff that sits around on their to-do list for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and never gets touched because there's not time, figure out how somebody could do that for you for, you know, 30 or 50 bucks and and then it's you know it's done <laughs> it's not it's not hanging around there on the on the edges of your brain being one of those many things that isn't finished and if it's important and it helps you move on with your business uh, that's probably a good investment of a very small amount of money now beyond that there are folks uh, like uh, Ron who need more consistent help they don't they don't need somebody to go and uh, create a pdf for them that they've been meaning to do or you know, put together a, a a mailing list out of the tax rolls or something that they've been meaning to do. They need every day somebody to be answering the phone for for, for them and so on. And I think the question you 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 reference this, but I want to actually discuss it. Um, the the idea that the time they free up should be making you more money than what they're costing you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're only paying, I mean, the, the overseas virtual assistants being very cheap, but even if you use a domestic-based one and we're paying more, uh, I mean, if you were paying $10, $15 an hour, you should be able to free up time that's more valuable than that. And you, you, So you have to understand what is your time worth. If your time is worth $30 an hour and you can pay someone 15 to get, you know to get rid of your minuscule task, your small task that you don't want to do, then you have the potential to go out and make twice as much. So you'd still be, you know, you're still making double. So it's, it's a, it is just a different way of thinking about it. And I know people struggle with that at times. But um, start small. Mm-hmm. Start small and test yourself again. That would be the same advice I gave before. And that's say, all right, you know what, I'm going to try this for a month. I'm going to see how it works. And chances are you'll get addicted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I had a friend push me into it was when I finally got a virtual assistant early on, and then I never looked back, and I was thankful that I just needed that little nudge. So I'm trying to give everyone that little nudge and say, just, just do it. You, know, it. you don't have to say, hey, it's forever. Just say, I'm going to try this for a month, and you'll be hooked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, a virtual assistant is a, is a good first step. Ultimately, you might actually want to have in-office staff. I know in some of your businesses, you do have people who are at least geographically close to you <laughs> that are doing that are doing things for you. Uh, but with a, with a virtual assistant, it's very easy to have a conversation up front that says, "I'm going to try this for a month," and it's not it's not like hiring somebody full time and saying, "Oh, yeah, you know what? This job might be over in a month." Virtual assistants t- tend to work for a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom and I might have the same VA, and we wouldn't know it. <laughs> because Correct. she's Correct. sitting, she's sitting someplace in Kansas City answering phones for three or four different companies, um, so so it's not nearly as big a deal to them. And oftentimes, if you if you have any numbers on your business, if you if you can say I make this much on the average on a wholesale deal, or I make uh, this much cash flow average on a new rental I'm acquiring, you can even run some numbers up front and say. If I saved myself four hours a month with this, how many more deals would I do over the course of months, and would that pay for this? That's the way you have to look at it, and you have you have to see what the savings is and the and the time benefit to you because there's a big factor there, and that's one of the other kind of central tenets of of the way I operate. And you you gave a wonderful list before of, you know at the opening of the segment, and I would add to that consolidation. 
you need to learn to consolidate. And a virtual assistant can help you with that. Um, but you need to look. Sometimes people just need to get simple, have one centralized collection system. I have people, they have two different phones, three different computers, uh, you know, a pile of papers, different filing cabinets. It's ridiculous. You need to bring it all into line and try to do everything through one centralized point. For example, I was always really bad at responding to voicemails that were left on my cell phone because they were out of sight, out of mind. So now I turn it off. I don't even use my cell phone voicemail. If, if something is supposed to go to my cell phone, it gets pulled back, and it's, the, the recording of that message is emailed to me. So the system I use pulls it back. All my, e- all my voicemails are now emailed to me, so they're in my centralized collection system. That's why I live in my inbox. I manage all my to-dos in my inbox, so even my voicemails. If I think of a to-do, I email myself. If someone emails me something and it's a task that needs to be done, it's in my inbox. And so I manage that inbox, and my goal is always to empty that out. But keeping it all in that one centralized collection system makes such a big difference. So if I need to give something to a virtual assistant, I delegate it out of the inbox. When the response comes back, it's back in the inbox. If a voicemail comes, it's in the inbox. And, you know, it, everything, that one centralized collection point makes my life so much easier. And people wonder, how can you, how can you handle all that and how can you manage all that with minimal staff, which is basically just virtual assistant? It, you, you can do it when you keep it all in one spot. It, it simplifies your life, it simplifies everything you're doing, and it makes it easier to see what needs to be eliminated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and, and uh, as you mentioned, when we talked a little, about it, a little bit about technology, people do chase the shiny things, and I've met real estate investors who have their buyer's database in one system and their seller contact lists in another system and their rental management stuff in another system. And just to get their own basic numbers, they have to open up like eight computer programs Mm -hmm. that that don't talk to each other. (laughs) They wonder why they have no time left. (laughs) Yes. So uh, sort of trying to, trying to, um, as as much as possible, keep things in a system that works for you. And, it, it, you know, for, for other folks, it might not be everything's in my inbox. It might be everything's in, uh, you know, some other some other system, uh, some other note-keeping system. Or I even know people who do very, very well with the yellow pads. Mm-hmm. But it's all in one place is, is the important thing. So the takeaways for today are eliminate, automate, delegate, and consolidate. So... You folks who are on your way towards your 2013 goals, take a second look at them and say, how can I use these these basic ideas uh, to make my 2013 not only more profitable, but more fun for me? Tom Z from TractionRia.com, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing some of your tips on having a better lifestyle in the real estate business. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.